You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. read tonight from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 23 to 29. Thank you to all these great Bible college students that are here. Thank God for you. 1 Chronicles 16, 23 to 29 are the verses I'll read tonight. The Bible says this, sing unto the Lord, all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation, declare his glory among the heathen and his marvelous works among all nations. That's what we're talking about tonight. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. There's a little G on that one. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. How are we going to do that? Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Amen. Tonight's topic is one which sometimes causes people to get a little uncomfortable or clam up like they're mad. I'm going to preach tonight on this subject, and the title's a little different than you would expect. I'm going to preach tonight on this subject, not why I give. Not why I give. I'm not sure why this topic makes folks so uncomfortable. Uh, there is a stigma somewhat, for some reason, attached to a preacher talking about money. There's jokes made about money-hungry preachers. You know, you're talking about the 99% of the lawyers that give the others a bad name. Why? Well, I'm not sure why there's a stigma attached. You know, they tell great stories about it. There's a wonderful story about the phone ringing at a church one day, and <clears throat> the secretary answered the phone. The guy on the other end said, I'd like to talk to the head hog at the trough. She said, I beg your pardon? He said, I'd like to speak to the head hog at the trough. She said, if you're talking about our pastor, you can call him pastor, you can call him reverend, you can call him the man of God, but I won't even put you on the phone with him. You call him the head hog of the trough. He said, well, that's unfortunate. I had a $20,000 donation I wanted to make. She said, hold on, I hear the big pig coming down the hallway right now. <laughs> hold on a moment. <laughs> Not to be outdone, they tell about a Phone ring one day, and the pastor himself answered the phone. Lady on the other end said, is this the pastor? Yes, ma'am. She said, I've had a death in my family. I'm looking for someone to preach the funeral. He said, well, we could certainly talk about that. She said, I sure hope so, because Homer meant a lot to me. He said, was Homer your husband? She said, no, Homer was my cat. He said, well, ma'am, your cat, yes. And you want me to preach a funeral? Yes. He said, ma'am, I, I, I'm, I'm very sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sure Homer meant a lot to you. But he said, we don't really do funerals here at, at our church for K-12 
cats. Um, he said, but I really do think I've heard that the First Baptist Church downtown will do funerals for cats. And she said, oh, thank you so much. She said, I, I want to make a donation of $20,000 to the church whole set funeral. He said, no, wait, wait. He said, why didn't you tell me Homer's Pentecostal? He said, just hold on a minute. Somehow, even humorists have tried to paint preachers as money-hungry scoundrels who care more about the size of the congregation than the welfare of the people. I'm going to go on record tonight. I know we're going to talk about money. We're going to put numbers up on the screen, and we're going to celebrate what God does. But let's be very clear. In this church, there is no minimum income standard. Everybody is welcome in this church. And we don't check your Dun & Bradstreet rating. We don't check your credit rating. We don't check to see what your bank account is. Whosoever will, let him come and drink freely. Uh, the homeless are welcome here. The drug addicts are welcome here. Am I preaching a church? Am I preaching Pentecostal church tonight? Everybody is welcome at the altar. We don't check your income when you come in here. Your ability to give has nothing to do with his ability to give something good to you. But that being said, I'm not embarrassed tonight to address the topic of giving. Why should I be? Jesus did it often. I refuse to be intimidated about a topic which is so woven into the teaching of Scripture. Just because some have been abusive about it, I won't back off from preaching about something that is vital to the advancement of God's kingdom and is a key to being blessed. Now, we know why we're here. We've been talking about it for weeks before Brother Bernard, Sister Bernard, and I ever got here. You've been discussing this and talking about it. We're here tonight to make one-year commitments to help propel the gospel around the world. Now, that's a beautiful thing to me. You're not giving to fund anybody's retirement plan. You're not giving for anything like that. We're talking about giving, and I mean this blesses me, so that folks out there who have never been born again can experience the same blessing that you and I got. Last night I preached about how great it is to be in the church. I think everybody ought to have a chance to be born again of water and spirit. I think everybody ought to have the chance to have their sins washed away. And if I could put some money in a plate and help somebody that I've never even met come to the gospel. Woo, that's a good thing. Why should that trouble us? Hey, folks, this is a night for celebration. This is a night for rejoicing. I hope to goodness when they put that total on the screen later tonight of what you have collectively committed to give to missions this year. I hope there's a sound of rejoicing and celebrating. There ought to be dancing and leaping and running and shouting because we know eternities are going to be changed because of what you do tonight. Amen. 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 I really hope that... You got out of your car tonight. Your attitude was just, man, I can't wait. I get to do this. I get to worship. I get to bring an offering. I get to fulfill that scripture he read. I get to bring an offering and come before him. Now, it would be easy for me to give reasons to give, and I'll probably do a little of that right at the end quickly. But tonight I'm going to spend more time in details, detailing some reasons which are not why we give. These should not be the reasons that you fill out one of these in just a little bit and are a part of this program. You ready? First of all, I'm not giving because I have to. I don't find any pattern in Scripture where God taxes the New Testament church. There's no minimum payment. 
There's no admission fee to get in here. God doesn't charge X amount to be present. I have never approached an offering with the mindset that this was something I had to do. I don't even look at tithing that way. I have never looked at tithing that, boy, you have to give 10% of your money. No, I get to keep 90% of his. That's my perspective. In fact, I, I don't even ever, I try not to ever even use a phrase about giving tithe. I can't give him something that belongs to him already. I return the tithe. If you loan me your car, and I come back a week later and say, I want to give you something. Giving you a car. No, you're not. You're just returning my car. And giving me nothing. I'm the one that gave it to you. You're just returning it to me. Folks, I got to tell you, when I put my tithe in the plate, I don't feel like I'm giving God anything. He gave it all to me in the first place. And said, so now just take 10% of it and return it back to me. I don't, I don't give because I have to. I'm reminding us tonight, this is not about what we have to do. There's a verse in the Old Testament which summarizes what our attitude should be on this night. When Israel was preparing to build the sanctuary of the Lord in the wilderness, these are the words that are recorded in Exodus 35 and 5. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a, a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. Offerings are exactly that. It's something that flows out of a willing heart. Nobody's twisting your arm tonight. Nobody's going to try to shame you into anything. This is about having a willing heart. There is nothing about this service about I have to give. I'm telling you, this ought to be something about I get to give. I get to be a part of this. Amen. This is not a collection agency. How I approach this, I'm just so excited and so blessed. If I was sitting on that pew and I was one of you, Man, I'd be sitting there going, I feel so blessed to be a part of this church. Let me say that in English for you, or I'll say it in Canadian. Put an A on the end of it, all right? If I were one of you, I would be saying to myself, I am so blessed to be a part of this church. I'm sorry. Let me try this again. If I were sitting on this pew... And I was a part of this congregation with that music and this worship and that pastor. I would be saying to myself, I am so blessed to be a part of this church that I would have got out of my car tonight saying, Lord, I feel so blessed. You've been so good to me. I want everybody to have the chance to be a part of a New Testament church. I want everybody around the world to have the chance to enjoy exactly what I get to enjoy, that I am going to join my hand with yours and yours and yours and yours, and together we're going to do something that no one of us could do individually. We're going to impact the world. From this place tonight in St. John, New Brunswick, you are going to impact the world. Woo, my, 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 my. Can't wait to join hands with you and you and you and together change the world by expanding the message of the cross, by spreading the gospel in places that we could not have done it individually. So I don't give because I have to. 
And I hope if you've ever felt that way, you get a different perspective tonight. This is not like your electric bill. I have to pay my electric bill. They cut off the power. I get to do this. I get to do this. I'm blessed. Okay, I mean, I better move to point two. Point two is this, and this is going to make you uncomfortable when I first say it, but don't, 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 you know, don't have immigration kick me out just yet. I don't give to be blessed. Now, please understand me. There is a blessing in giving. Absolutely there is. Look at Luke 6.38, very familiar. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, I understand in the context, that verse is really talking about mercy, not about money. Read it in context, the chapter is talking about mercy. But that principle is applicable even to what we do here tonight. I do completely recognize that God blesses givers. I can show you elsewhere. Let's look at Malachi 3. God said, you've robbed me. How have we robbed you? Tithes and offering. Malachi 3 and 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me. This is one of the few places that God says, why don't you just try me out? Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, that he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So I'll go on record. I am blessed because I give. That's a fact. I'll just, can I just go one step further on that? Churches are blessed because they give. We're real quick to tell individuals, if you give, you'll be blessed. If you'll give, you'll be blessed. But I have witnessed that churches that give are blessed. You show me a church that gives to missions. Show me a church that gives to move the missions. Mother's Memorial, Christmas for Christ. I'll show you a church that's about to be blessed. So that is a fact. So I am blessed because I give, but I don't give to be blessed. That is not my motive. Hear me well. That is the result. It is not my reason. It's my problem with some of this sow seed in my ministry mess in religious broadcasting. God becomes some type of investment opportunity. You send in $100, you'll have $1,000 for the end of the year. Some kind of divine pyramid scheme. It's almost like they're issuing a prospectus with projected annual returns. Now, God does bless, and I am blessed, but I want to go on record right now. If tomorrow he shut off the tap and he never gave me another financial blessing, if tomorrow it was dried up and I couldn't figure out how to pay my bills, I would still want to give to the kingdom because I'm not given for what I can get. I am given because I'm blessed to give. I'm sorry, does that make sense to you? I don't want you to come in here tonight going, well, man, I'm going to give this because he's going to give it back to me. Would you give it so somebody could be saved even if God didn't give it back to you? I thank God for every testimony that's going to arise of somebody that makes a commitment tonight and gets a new job or gets a new blessing or gets an unexpected check in the mail. Thank God for that. But if God doesn't do that, are you going to resent what you committed tonight? 
Or are you going to say, I didn't give this so I'd get a financial blessing. I did this so somebody else would get a spiritual blessing. Come on. I'm not giving some kind of investment opportunity. I am giving and taking my hands off of it and saying, God, this is about building your kingdom. This is about new churches being planted. This is about missionaries reaching the world with the gospel. This is about our city being reached. And if I don't reap anything out of this personally, that's not why I'm giving anyway. Mm. David... You see that nine-and-a-half-foot monster out there? Kind of hard to miss. He's dressed in metal from his head to his foot, and the sun's shining on him. He's growling like a dog. Yeah, I see him. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen to the guy that kills him. He said, he's going to get great riches. Hey, guys, he gets to marry the king's daughter. Come on, somebody. Now I'm going to go beyond you to the older set. And he's tax-free for the rest of his life. <laughs> I don't care if she's ugly as homemade sin. I'll take that package right there, you know. She's tax-free for the rest of my life. I don't know what she looked like, but packaged together, that's a pretty good deal. You get a bunch of money, you don't pay taxes, and you get, you get, you get baby cakes over there. And David turned around three times, read it for yourself, three times, two times after that first time. He turned around and somebody said, say that to me again. Well, you get the girl, you get the bucks, and you get tax-free. Sure, I heard that right. Say that to me again. I mean, they told him, and then two more times he asked, and they repeated him, the Bible says, after the same fashion. Now, when I first read that, I thought that's because he was trying to make sure what the package was he was going to get. Until you notice that then he turns around and looks at them and says, is there not a cause? You mean to tell me the only reason somebody going to stand up to this monster is because of what they get out of it? How about the fact he's defying the name of the Lord God? How about somebody rising up and saying, there's something more important than what I get out of this. That's all I'm saying tonight. I pray you get a new job. I pray you get a new car. I pray God pours out financial blessings. But if he doesn't, is there not a cause? Is there not something bigger than our own pleasure that we're involved in? I don't give, so I'll get blessed. I am blessed because I give, but I don't give in order to be blessed. I'm just going to tell you, right between the eyeballs, I'm convinced there's a lot of ways God blesses us that we can't measure. I, 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 I can't put it on a spreadsheet. It doesn't show up in my checkbook register. But there's blessings that God gives that we can't identify. So when God says, I'll pour you out a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. Maybe we need to think about something more than just our net worth. If my kids are saved, I don't care about the money. He spares me from an accident that I didn't even know about. I, who cares about the money? I wonder how many of us have been healed, but we can't testify about it because we never even knew we were sick. Right? 
I'm just telling you the Bible says he daily loadeth us with benefits. There's blessings that come on our life day after day after day that we may not be able to quantify. But I am not putting a card in the plate tonight now saying, God, you owe me. Because I got news for you. He doesn't owe me anything. I am a ho. I am a debtor to the cross of Calvary. I am a debtor to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's already been good to me. Is there anybody I'd like to testify just a minute that God's already been good to you? He doesn't owe you anything. I think we ought to give God thanks for just a minute. He's been good to me. 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 Hallelujah. So if I make a commitment and I give and fulfill that commitment and I don't get a raise and I'm not named in my rich uncle's will and I don't win a new car at the Monopoly game at McDonald's, God is still good. And he hadn't cheated me. Well, I I put my ticket in. I didn't win anything. This isn't about you. I'm sorry, but it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about somebody that hasn't heard the gospel yet and we love their soul and want their eternity to be changed. That's why we do this. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm blessed because I give, but I don't give to be blessed. Because when our motives are wrong, we can short-circuit the promise. You believe prayer works? Yeah, me too. I want you to look what James 4 and 3 says. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. He said when you've got wrong motives, even the promises of answered prayer can be thwarted. When your motives are wrong, he is not obligated to keep his promises. Wow. Wow. So I don't, I don't, I don't want the wrong motive here. I don't want to give like I'm thinking that somehow I'm going, to, I'm going to enter this contest or I'm going to put this ticket in and I, I can twist God's arm behind his back and say, now you've got to give me that new job. No, no. He already gave me the Holy Ghost. That's enough. He already washed my sins away. That's enough. He already redeemed my life from destruction. And that's enough. He's already been good to me. I give in response to his goodness not to garner it. So, I don't give because I have to. I don't give as some Machiavellian scheme to be blessed. And I don't give to be noticed. This is not a contest tonight. There's no competition here. We will not be calling out individual commitment amounts tonight. Oh, we'll read totals. I don't think God, here's what, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 1. Take heed that you do not your alms, that's your giving, before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets. Isn't that a sight to visualize? Somebody walking up front to put their commitment card and starts blowing a trumpet. Get everybody's attention. Watch me. I'm about to make a sizable commitment, and I want everyone to take note of me. That's what he said. 
as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets. I mean, they even did it coming in out of the parking lot. That, that, why? That they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, and these are sad words. <laughs> Hope they enjoyed it. They have their reward. It's all they're going to get. People say, oh. Hope they enjoyed it. They have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thine left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be done in secret, because if that happens, thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. The effort tonight is not about equal giving. It is about equal sacrifice. The challenge tonight is for each of us not to give from our abundance, but from a place of sacrifice. To now listen. Tonight, the staff will be adding up the giving and announcing a total, and I'm sure Pastor Carter Carter will see the individual amounts, but only, watch, 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 but only God's going to know who gave the most. So, well, man, if, if, if Pastor Carter has a spreadsheet and he looks at all of them, how will he not know who gave the most? Because he won't know who gave the most. So was he mathematically challenged? I don't think so. But God measures differently than we do. He doesn't measure by what's given. He measures by what's left. Matthew 12, 41, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. It's kind of interesting. You know where Jesus sits in church? Right by the offering plate. Our pastor sits on the platform. Our pastor sits down here. You know where Jesus sits? Right by the offering plate. Jesus sat over against the treasury. And behold, and and he didn't just sit there. Beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. (laughs) You imagine if anybody would get ready to take these, brought a chair and sat up here and started going. You come walking up and there's, turn that over, I can't see it. But Jesus not only sat next to the altar, but he watched as people put stuff in. He's probably watching how we do tonight, you think? And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I send you, this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. And you have to, folks go, he's a good carpenter, but he's probably not an accountant. Jesus, she just threw in that one little farthing. He said, for they all did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. God measures by what's left, not by what we give. God will measure this and will reward by his scale. I'm telling you, somebody, some person here tonight makes a commitment of $1,000. Some person here going to make a commitment of $100. And that may be more than somebody that makes a gift of $1,000 or $100,000. We, we won't know who gave the most. Because we're not trying to measure who gave the most. Because I, I, I hope somebody here can write a huge check. Thank God for it. But it's still not going to be as big as the one he wrote. What he has given to us is going to so far eclipse anything that we did. We're not doing this for man's recognition. We're not doing this to please man. You know what? If I was a member of this church, I would just say, God, I got one ambition. I want to please you tonight. 
So we're going to pray here in a little bit, and I have enough faith in God to believe that God is going to whisper to you and tell you exactly what you need to do tonight. And you may already have a number in mind, and that may be exactly what God has already put in your heart. Or it may be you've got a number in mind, and in the next few minutes, God's going to say something different to you. And we don't do that so man will be impressed. We don't do that so pastor will love us. He's going to love you anyway. But we do that so God will be pleased with us. I do not give because I have to. I don't give as a mechanism so I can heap blessing to myself. And I don't give so you'll take note of me. I'll spend two minutes and tell you why I think you should give tonight. I, and please say amen to this. It'll save me some time. We give because we believe in the kingdom. That's why we're doing this tonight, because we believe in the kingdom. And we believe in the church, and we believe in the mission of the church. I want the musicians to come, and so I'm going to give because I believe in the kingdom. We're going to give because everything I have is a gift from God. Everything I have is a gift from God. Not really as a gift that I own it, but as a gift that he entrusted it to me to take care of it as his steward. I give because I believe in the kingdom, and he has put things in my hand and told me to manage it well so I can bless his kingdom. I watch this, and I give because when I give, I testify that the Lord has my heart. Because where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is. So if I invest in the church, my heart's in the church. When I give, I am testifying that the Lord has my heart. And I'm I'm just going to go one more right here real quick. Hear me. I give because there's not a better investment you can make. Not because of what it's going to bring to you. Here a few years ago at General Conference, I was privileged to kind of help with a global mission service. Global missions ran the numbers. And they figured out that for every $300 that was given, look at me, they know where they're going, watch me. For every $300 that was given, a soul was baptized overseas. That's what it cost. I'm not saying you can buy a soul, but they ran the numbers. They took the amount that it had given, divided by you know how many people have been baptized, and for every three hundred dollars, soul could be born again. Took my family out a few weeks ago. My two kids, my son-in-law, another kind of a sort of adopted son that we have, not really, but sort of his wife, their child, and my in-laws, I spent a baptism. I spent a baptism for dinner. It's a nice restaurant. My ticket was more than 300 bucks for that crew. I spent a baptism. I walked out that night. Didn't feel bad about it. It was a special night of celebration for something. 300 bucks. What an incredible investment opportunity. I didn't get anything out of that meal except indigestion and a tighter belt. A global missions would tell you for $300 somebody could be baptized. What an investment. I can't think of any place you could put your money that's a better investment than what we're going to do tonight. Because for every dollar you give, Somebody's 
eternity is going to be changed. Now think if that somebody were your child. You think it'd be worth giving? If you knew by that giving your child would have an encounter with the cross? Well, it's somebody's child. It's somebody's child across this country in a little town that's never had an apostolic church in it. And your giving is going to fund North American missions so that a church planner can go to that city, build a new church, and reach them with the gospel. Somewhere on the far corner of the planet, in some country that you've never been to, there's somebody that will never know your name. But your investment tonight is going to rescue them from hell. Your giving is going to impact your children, your youth. Your giving is going to make it possible for God to continue to train these young men and young ladies that are going to go out and do the work of God. I cannot come up with a better investment. I cannot think of a better way for you to invest what God has entrusted in your hands than in the work of missions around the world. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.